0: Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that winners is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome back to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast, this is Barnsley, back again for another round of footy, excited after round three, very much a round of ups and downs, Tonight, we're going to go for a solo podcast just with me. Uh, going to be getting up early as well, so hopefully that helps everyone out after TLT dropped at 4 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, next week, we're going to have the cowboy himself, Andrew Scanlon. He was the uh, fantastic host of the Points Per Minute podcast that was running for a number of years. is isn't coming uh, out this year, but it'll be back hopefully next year. So Andrew will be jumping on as an alternating guest as well. We'll see him next week. But for today, it's just going to be me going through uh, a few of the key stats from last week as well as our normal TLT analysis after that dropped earlier today. Probably the first thing to quickly chat about though is reviewing last week. So, talking about like the top five good, the bad, the ugly stuff from what me and Billy discussed last week from TLT round three it was a doozy of a round. There was certainly a lot of stuff that went great and certainly a lot of stuff that went pear shaped. Which is pretty much what Supercoach is, I guess. So, without further ado, um, let's start off with the good. In the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, the good for me was avoiding Katoni Stags. So, obviously, Staggs is out this week, which is a big plus. A lot of people jumped on board the Staggs train. And he also didn't score too well, throwing up uh, less than stellar 33 points. Actually, included a line break, so <laughs> he's lucky he got that line break because it would have been 23 points otherwise. So I felt pretty good myself about zagging on Stags. 36% of coaches now own Stags for that 36 points last week and also for his suspension this week. So feeling okay about it. Uh, he still made 45k, but I'm pretty happy that I didn't get burnt. Um, the second thing would be Madison. So As many of you know, I was pretty huge on on Ryan Madison for this season, as it was. Uh, I was pretty adamant last week that he's a very um, prime trading candidate to just get in now that you had the five trades, and I could not have been more happier. Uh, He's now 657k after going up 31 grand, but the big news is that he, he went out and went absolutely ballistic. 99 points he scored. Did that with a lot of activity with uh, four offloads and a whole heap of work, as he normally does, and some tackle breaks. So he did exceptionally well. was totally stoked that I got him in when I did because it would be really hard to get him now. He's only in 22% of teams, so I felt even better about that trade after watching the weekend's games and seeing that. Uh, Another thing that worked out quite well in my calls last week was Hampton. So Hampton, me and Billy spoke about, and we were very much in agreement that... He was a definite play for, for last week, um, so it wasn't just a matter of being a good cash grab. Um, he was certainly going to make the money, but he was certainly going to be a good matchup against the Titans. Didn't disappoint. 78 points. Can't really complain about that. Uh, worked out really well for those that traded him in. Uh, other thing that worked out quite well was my call for the Warriors rookies. So, obviously, I've been huge on um, on Tanoa Brown. Uh, I thought that he would be a great trade-in, and I went as close to say he was just about a must-have for last week with his cheapy price, rock bottom, and also the chance to maybe get some extra minutes, which he got. ended up getting named as a starter, um, scored fantastic points for the round if you did start him in year 17, but even if he didn't, Tanael Brown ended up making a huge amount of cash. Um, but he wasn't quite as good as what his mate was, Alise Katoa, who... Uh, I had earlier, but I predicted last week that I thought that he was going to have a good chance of getting the starting jersey again, and um, pushed into the starting lineup. That obviously, obviously ended up happening, um, and that worked out fantastic for those who started him as well. Scored a massive eighty-six points, um, but aside from the eighty-six points, which was handy for the round, he also managed to make just over a hundred thousand just in his one first cash rise for the year. So he comes in with a minus forty-six be. If you didn't get in to Brown and Katoa, uh, you missed two guys that uh, are going to keep starting for the foreseeable future, it looks like, and are going to make a heap of cash. Each of them are sort of only around the 30% mark in ownership. So pretty good to jump on those guys. Felt great about it. Of course, there's always some bad calls and some things don't quite go right. Sean Johnson was one of my other favourite trade-ins of the week, and boy, did he bomb. He, um, I, I'm glad I didn't get him in because I, I tried to. I had a couple of different trade ideas to try and get Sean Johnson in. Thank God I didn't, because he threw up 25 points. That was no help at all against the Tigers in the second half. He really didn't do much at all. He ended up losing 37 grand for the week. And getting that type of score, which actually got down to 22, actually, um, is just horrendous from Johnson. So that didn't work out at all. The other guy that didn't work out for different reasons was Yao at the Panthers. Um, I... Well, really, Billy agreed as well. We we both ended up holding off, I believe, um, because we weren't sure about the Panthers' rotation. And long story short, he went ballistic, got another ton up there just about, and ended up going up almost $100,000. So 104 points, $100,000 for the week. Uh, Would have been fantastic to trade him in. Ended up scoring, uh, ended up playing the entire game, including golden points. So massive bummer to have not gotten him in um, last week. Pierce was the other bummer. Uh, I thought that him and Luai would have done pretty well, but particularly Pierce, I was pretty big on. Obviously, can't foresee injuries. He got knocked out pretty badly in the first five minutes of the game. Felt really sorry for any Pierce owners not to get any points from that play because he was primed to come in and play well for the week. Um, worked out really poorly. Obviously, another guy that worked out really poorly was Knight. Um, I'm not a massive Knight fan, but I did think as I said last week, that he would have stepped up against the Roosters. A little bit harsh to say that it was a bad call. Um, he lost 20-plus minutes just from injuries. He got hit in the Jats Crackers, which which didn't tickle. You could see that he was very much in a bit of agony and even like went to take a hit up and just sort of fell to the ground to, to submit to a tackle. So that didn't go too well for him. He copped another knock as well, and in the second half, he um, only played six minutes because of a HIA. So... Not not entirely a a terrible call. He probably would have been on track to get towards 50 points for the game. Um, Ended up scoring the 30s, which wasn't great. But at the end of the day, can't really help injuries. Do kind of wish that I sold him, though, um, in my trades last week. But that's how it goes. Um, And probably the last thing that didn't go to plan was my Masters trade. And I'm putting that last because I don't think it was a complete tragedy. Uh, Masters came in and scored 38 points in a good matchup. Now... It's disappointing because a a lot of people, including me, thought with the matchup against the Titans, he would have done well. But in saying that, watching the game, I I don't think that he did too much wrong. I I thought that he was trying to get involved. He still had a fair few runs. Um, He still had a couple of offloads. And it's those offloads and tackle breaks that we're really looking for with Masters, and, and they were still there. He just kept missing the ball with people cutting him out and stuff, and it just wasn't his night. So... A lot of the time with those center wings, they're going to get you 20, 25, maybe 30 points in those type of games. Mars Australia's up a 38. That's why I love him. His uh, low scores are still not going to be really low. You're still not going to get a 20 out of him, um, and hopefully the next outing's going to be okay. So I don't hate his 38 or the trade-in from him, um, considering the game and how it went. So mixed bag, but that's super coach. Let's go straight to TLT for round four. Now, first game of the round is Broncos versus Roosters, Thursday night match. Broncos team news is quite significant. We've got Jesse Arthur switching from the wing to centre, replacing Staggs who's obviously a big loss. Uh, Herbie Farnworth is thrown from the bench to the wing. Ethan Bullimore, who debuted last week, is starting for Alex Glenn, who's out with his leg cut. uh, Two to four weeks, it looks like Glenn's going to be out. And obviously Tessie Nui, who uh, has been you know, lauded as one of the next big prospects that's coming through the junior ranks, is going to debut as a utility off the bench. Um, so a few changes for the Broncos. For the Roosters side of things, it's an unchanged 17, but I expect Orbison's going to come in. He's on the extended bench. Where Orbeau and takiaho play, provided takiaho's fit, is going to be interesting. Um, the other interesting thing with the Roosters as well, is that Victor Radley's been named in another number 13 jersey, even though he's facing a one match suspension. Uh, the judiciary hearing's actually just come out and he's been exonerated from that, so he's going to be free to play, which is good. Um, Trying not to be biased, Rooster, but um, I thought the tackle was fine and um, Gagai sort of dipped a little bit to make it worse than what it was. Not that it's Gagai's fault, it was just sort of how the momentum went from both players. So good that he's back in the squad for this week and able to play. As far as the game goes, now, tale of two different sides here. I thought the Roosters played really well last week. Um, I thought all their big guns were pretty dominant. Um, I was pretty impressed with how fit they looked. I thought they looked a lot fitter than a lot of other sides. And the pace and everything didn't seem to bother them one bit. Their defence was extremely good, I thought. Um, On the flip side, the Broncos got done by Parramatta badly, uh, didn't look good at all, and ended up being a bit of a, bit of a bad night out for them. I didn't think that a lot of their guys stepped up too well either. So, um it's going to be interesting what happens in this one. When we're having a look from a super coach point of view, obviously Stags out is uh, it's a it's a big big loss for the Broncos. As far as super coaches go, I've seen a few people talking about getting rid of him for this week. Um he isn't in the most traded out as yet, but um there's been quite a bit of chatter as to what to do with him. Look, if you traded him in uh, I would I would just be holding him. That, that playing the Roosters this week, he might not have gone that well anyway. I don't know if um, who your alternate center wing that you're going to use it would have been too much worse than what playing Stag would have been. Obviously, you got him in for a reason. He's still going to have the same break-even that he was going to have um, just by missing a week. So, uh, you know, I, I'd be keeping him in. On the flip side, um, there's a few other guys that have not been playing too well. One of those guys is Jermaine Asako, which is another one that's being talked about quite a bit. Now, Asako only managed 31 points, which is pretty terrible. Um, still made 30 grand for the week, but the 31 points are pretty concerning. Obviously, you know, they got pumped by Para. Para is a pretty good side. They're coming first at the moment. But having said that, you know, all the concerns that I had of Asako this year... We're all in that game. You know, his work rate wasn't great. Um, had, like, a dozen runs, which, considering he's a full is pretty average. Um, and didn't really do much else. You I know, mean, wasn't really involved in any attack that much. And I just don't think he's really going to be particularly worth it. Um, the Broncos have got manly after this game. So Roos' manly isn't a great two weeks for him. The draw does open up a fair bit after that, which you need to be aware of. But the next two weeks, you know, it, it could be pretty slim pickings for Jermaine. Uh, And at the moment, he's got a 54 BE, so he's not going to keep making money unless he has a massive score. He's at 450K, so if you've got some team issues, and particularly with the way the trades are structured this year, you know, he's a volatile center wing, and he's got two hard matchups in a row. Those are precisely the sort of guys that I'd be getting out of my team to rotate a center wing in even for a couple of weeks. If you really like Sarko, you could always get him back in a few weeks' time when he's got some better matchups. But for now, uh, I'd certainly be looking at selling him for this game. Um, and I'm not really too much of a fan of, of him at all. Milford did pretty badly as well. Um, he's a little bit different, though, so because he's in the halves. So you're not going to have as many options to sort of swap him out, uh, particularly if you want to swap him back later. It might be a little bit more difficult. He only scored 16 on the weekend, uh, so not a great outing for Anthony Milford. He's only in 7% of teams, though, so not too many people are going to be that worried about him. He's now only averaging 47 points for the year, which is scarily looking like the Milford of last year. Um, so I, I've i gone up and down. I'm wanting to own Milford, actually, this year, and I'm really glad that I just didn't go near him because he's unfortunately looking scarily like he did in 2019, and it's just going to be up and down. Um, I've said to a couple of people that, If you've got Milford in, your scores that are going to be good ones are going to be against some of the worst teams. Um, In a few weeks' time, he gets to play the Titans. He also plays the Warriors, um, and I think he's got Penrith in that run as well. So it's a decent three-week run for Milford. In particular, the Titans, I think he scored the most points he's ever scored against. He's got a couple of 150-plus games against those guys. Those are the sort of games you want him for. But I almost think with someone like Milford, you're almost better off rotating him in for one game if you can, and if you can't, it doesn't matter. But as far as holding him goes, it's pretty hard to do it because you might hold him, you know, for two weeks now and get some crappy scores and not really have another option to play. So you've got to play him against these good sides, unlike the center wings. And, and then you wait and, you, just, you know, you get a 70 out of a Titans game or something like that, which is a good score, but certainly not, not worth waiting for for a few weeks to sell him. 66 BE, um, he's, he's only going to get a bigger BE in the next couple of weeks assuming that he scores low. So don't really love Anthony Milford at the moment. Um, he doesn't look like he's he's matching up too well this week either. The big news, though, from the Broncos Roosters team list is that we've got uh, a, another um forward pack, and there's a few rumours about it as well with it. So Jake Turpin got named at number nine, but it's almost certain that he's gone. He, he's meant to have been ruled out for a month with a knee injury, Uh, So that's certainly going to change things. Um, Corey Pax is going to come in and start at hooker. Um, Along with that, um, you know, Jamil Hopalati has been named to play again and he's just made a good amount of cash and scored in the 40s, which was great last week. And Ethan Bullimore has been named to start. So that's his second game. Uh, A few people are eyeing them off still as cash grabs. It's been heavily, heavily rumoured that Ben Tio was going to sign there. It was heavily, heavily rumoured today uh, with some people deciding that they We'll post on some of the groups, they had inside knowledge that Bentio has already signed and it's going to be announced this week. Don't know how reliable that is, but if it's the case, he's going to probably start on one of those edge spots and either take um, Jamil's or Bullimore's spot. Um, hopefully, it wouldn't be Jamil, but uh, you know, if, if you own Hopper, it doesn't matter. If you don't own him, I wouldn't be jumping on. Um, probably some other news in that forward pack as well is that Pat Carrigan went down in minutes quite a bit. So he lost, I think it was six or seven minutes last week, and accordingly he ended up scoring in the 50s. So we're just starting to see the effects of the Broncos' full-strength forward pack, which isn't even full-strength yet. Lodge came back. He didn't play a huge amount of minutes. He came off the bench. He's only going to play more and more minutes and end up starting again soon. So you know, for guys like Flegler um, and the rookies and Pat Carrigan, that's, that's just going to be a disaster. Um, with Matthew Lodge upping his minutes and Ben Teo coming into the side. The elephant in the room is they still got TPJ to come back. Um, And when TPJ comes back, he's going to take some more minutes, probably off the middles and the edge as well. So it's just a recipe for disaster. I'm really against any Broncos uh, for this week with the Roosters matchup coming into the side. Uh, None of them really seem too appealing. And likewise with that as well, um, it looks like in the next few weeks some of these guys are gonna lose use, lose some value. So, you know, Carrigan's one guy who has been really reliable. I was I was really big on in the in the pre season and I was chatting to a few people online about this because they said that his his minutes weren't fantastic and you know rightfully so they put no his PPM was great. Um and it was, you know, he he scored well still um at his fifty eight points for the round. The problem is that those minutes are probably only going to go down now. And if he's someone who Goes down again another five minutes and, and keeps going down. All of a sudden, in a couple of weeks' time, he's he's a 50-minute player. And as a 50-minute player, he's going to score a good PPM, but it's still only going to be you know, 50, 52 points maybe. So he's going to make some cash. He made 52K this week. In the next couple of weeks, he could very well get to you know the 100K mark. So I'm actually looking at him as a trade-out in two to three weeks' time. Um, you, you can't have a guy that's going to be playing sort of 50-ish minutes from lock Even 55 minutes from lock isn't going to work. So um, I'm going to be looking at platforming Carrigan to someone else um, because I've made my 100K out of him and he's an okay starter still. But, yeah, the the Broncos forward pack is just going to get worse and worse as far as Supercoach goes. Um, Obviously, Huss is a guy that you can play and get in at any time. If you don't have him, you should have been targeted to get him in. He's possibly the best forward in the game, even rivaling Tomalolo. Um, he's 730k now, so he's around about the same price. But he put up another stellar effort. Me and Billy spoke about just captaining him straight out last week. Um, I didn't do it because I wanted to use my VC. I believe Billy um, did though, uh, and he got rewarded with you know 87 points. Was a fantastic effort. It, he just kept going, and going. You know, he's now got an average of 80 odd points for the season, and he's in 54% of the teams. That really should be 100%. I've got no worries uh, this week against my Roosters side. He's still going to score well. He's pretty much match-up proof. So he's in for a big one as well this week, but he's pretty much the only Bronco that I'm really that interested in. Um, looking over on the Roosters side of things, probably the big news is going to be where uh, Mitch Orbison goes. So I've been chatting to a few people in the off-season in the last couple of weeks. Uh, lamenting not knowing how the Roosters' lineups actually going to work now for this season. I did actually think that Mitch Orbison would get benched this year. Um, now that he's a little bit older and the fact that Crichton's on a million, a million bucks, um, he's not a bench player. Crichton looked fantastic once again in a starting job um, on the weekend. He looked dangerous running those angles. He had a heap of tackle breaks, um, some half line breaks that he was doing. Generally looked dangerous. Uh, back to pretty much. What he looked like at the Rabbits. He hasn't had a price rise yet because he's just had the two games, 530k. Um, he's in 2% of teams, so he's an, he's an ultimate pod. It's it's the first game, so the good news is that we're going to know before the round even kicks off exactly what the Roosters are going to be thinking about as far as Orbo and Crichton. If Crichton is named to start in the second row there and Orbo is on the bench, then To me, Crichton ends up being a really good value buy. 530k, 2% of teams. He's got a 68 average after going 67 and 69 points in his two starts the last two weeks. That is back to Crichton's best. Uh, He's done that without a try and I think without a line break as well, although I could be wrong there. Um, But just high work rate, a lot of tackle breaks. And he's done that at Souths and I expect him to do it at the Roosters. I reckon he's going to do it now. One of the things that we spoke about with the Broncos, pretty much every podcast episode, is that their edges are susceptible to letting in points, um, and, and you know both of their halves can be not that great defensively, and Darius can make some some poor decisions as well. Herbie Farnworth is on Darius's side, by the way, playing on the wing. He could struggle a bit as well on that side. So someone like Crichton running at one of the, the Broncos' edges, you know, he could go massive. Like he, he could very easily turn up uh, if he's starting. And they keep him in that starting jersey with Orwell on the bench. I expect him to have a massive game. Uh, I'm going to be definitely considering getting him in because he's one of those under-the-radar keeper guys that could do really well. Aside from knowing that about the Roosters' lineup, um, I think that the the other couple of um, changes are going to be pretty clear. We're going to get Takihiro that will probably come in and start for Collins. Collins has been pretty good, but once he goes back to that bench role, he's not going to make a huge amount of money. For this particular matchup, um, I'm going to go and talk about everyone's favourite rooster, and that's James Tedesco. He looked scintillating last week against South. Uh, obviously, carved them up, 103 points. So fantastic game. Um, obviously, against the Broncos side that led in you know, 36 points against Parramatta the week before, it, it firms is a pretty good matchup. Um, now, I. I was trying to work out a way to get him in this week. He's lost 24 grand. Obviously, we we're all hoping that him and Turbo are going to lose a lot more than that, but he's not going to. 757000 is going to cost you to get James Tedesco in this week, but I tell you what, he's in 23% of teams, and most teams are jumping over themselves to get in uh, Turbo rather than um, Tedesco because Turbo obviously had a blinder. Now, yeah, I understand the thinking, but... The matchup for Tedesco against the Broncos is pretty juicy in itself. Aside from the Broncos, the Roosters then uh, hit the Bulldogs next week, which Tedesco's got some form against as well and could probably you know, do what, do what Turbo did this last round against them next week. So you're going to get a couple of good rounds that he could easily score, you know, 250 points across those two weeks, which are going to be really valuable. So this week I expect him to go off. Um, I reckon that he's going to go the tonne again. Against the Broncos, and I'm seriously looking at trying to get him into my side. A guy that's completely under the radar um and some of the long time pod listeners will go on oh, no Barnsley, you can't talk about Daniel tubo again, but I'm going to um tubo's a guy that I've said plenty of times i I really like having my side for his runs because he's got some some great base when he's got his high work rate up. you know you can get the twenty twenty two runs out of him, a few tackle breaks, and a couple of offloads. And then if you get any of the um, the line break tries, it's just gravy on top. But, you know, he is a guy that can make the line breaks and also then convert it into a try with a try assist. Uh, he's a lot more skillful than than what people probably give him credit for. On the weekend, Tupe's got the first try, which was a great just cross-field kick to him, uh, grabbed it in the air and just fell over the line, which uh, with Farnworth marking him this week, uh, I expect them to do that quite a bit. And I really don't know how Herbie... He's going to contend with the six, foot six Tupo if those kicks are on point. I expect Tupo to get at least one, if not two tries this week, even just from kicks. But he also um, did well in setting up a couple of tries on the weekend. So he ended up with a score of 92 points. He's only in 5% of teams. Um, he's just gone up 16,000, but he's actually got a be of only 17. He's got a fantastic record against the Bulldogs as well. Um, now, against the Dogs... Uh, I think it was last year, I got, I can't remember, it might have been 80 points out of him, but he's got a pretty good scoring ability against the Bulldogs as well and jumping up against those wingers too. So the next couple of weeks, he becomes a pretty good play. I'm only talking about it as an extreme pod. You know, if you want an extreme pod and you've got money to burn, uh, Daniel Toupe is going to be one of those guys. 537k, he's not going to be cheap, but in all likelihood in three weeks' time, he could be over 600k. And that's just the type of winger if you want a strategy of using your trades to rotate your center wings in and out, that's just a type of winger that you do want to rotate in and out because uh, he is fairly reliable in not getting you a complete dud score. He's not going to score a 15 or a 20 or something. Um, and on top of that, he's got a fairly low break even of 17. So if he does have a big week in the next two weeks, even just one of them, uh, he's going to make you know 50 grand plus at a minimum. So if you do have to trade him out quickly, um, you know that you're going to be able to make some cash out of it as well. So I actually, um, that's going to be one of my big calls for this game. I'm going to go for Tupou for a double in this, and Teddy for 100-plus again. Uh, Those are my big ones. For VC, I reckon VC Teddy is well and truly on for this week. Um, If the Broncos don't fix that defence, that could could really open up for Tedesco. Um, But realistically, um, it's hard to say, but with... Guys like Kirby Farnworth on the wing, they're going to have a rookie number nine in there. And they've obviously got two rookie edges playing in Bullamore and Hoppalati. You know, I'm really surprised that the, the Roosters are only, I think they're $1.45 on sports bet. To me, that's just nuts. Um, I think the line's like minus six and a half or something ridiculous. Uh, with how the Roosters looked last week and how the Broncos looked, and the Broncos being even more under this week. It wouldn't surprise me if the Roosters absolutely smacked them. You know, 30-6 to 6 type of scoreline again, similar to what the Parramatta game was. I reckon we could easily be seeing that. So I'm going to be having a look at the Roosters for this week and trying to get one guy in. I wish I could get Teddy, Tupou and Angus in if Angus starts, but it's going to be a little bit difficult. Panthers vs Warriors is the next game. Uh, now... Both, both these sides did pretty well last week under the circumstances. Um, some people will say, you know, the Panthers didn't do that well against a Newcastle side that had Pierce and Watson go down. But you know what? Like they they really competed, some of these young guys. You know, Stephen Crichton looked good. Matt Burton looked good. Um, I thought Jerome Luai did some decent stuff. But uh, the Warriors were really the, the good story. They completed 44 out of 44 sets until they made an error about five minutes from full time which was just incredible. Um, yeah, and yes, a lot of that was down to the Dragons not playing that great, but a lot of it was also due to the fact that the Warriors actually played really good and had a lot of enthusiasm. So credit to the Warriors, boys. Uh, Panthers team news. Liam Martin's going to come onto the bench to replace Billy Burns, and that's the only change in the 17. Stephen Crichton, that means, retains his centre spot um, ahead of Bretton Nathan. So a couple of interesting ones there that we'll talk about. The Warriors' changes have Peter Hicku replaced at centre by Carl Wharton, which is... That's a Kearney special right there. I don't know how Carl Wharton goes from a bench, second rower hooker to a centre, but anyway. Um, Parsi is replaced on the bench by former rooster Farmer Sealy, who's a pretty good um, rooster prop that was coming through, played some first-grade games. Josh Curran also joins the interchange bench and is going to be a watch. But the big news is... So Noel Brown and Alisa Katoa both retain their starting spots. They were both pretty much must-haves last week, um, so hopefully you got on both of them. But let's start with reviewing the Panthers side for this round. Probably the biggest thing with the Panthers is their few veteran guns that are firing at the moment, um, and these guys have just been going fantastic. The top of that list is Apai Korosau. So Api is now 446k, had the biggest rise out of any player. Just went up 107,000. We called him a must-have last week. You had to have him in your side. A lot of people listen because he's in 49% of teams now. If you didn't get him in, you have missed the boat now, though. Um, Having said that, uh, I made the comment that if you wanted a sneaky pod captaincy last week, it wouldn't have been a bad idea to look at Appy. He scored 78 points, which is really solid. That was actually a better score than the more fancy Tom below the captaincy. Um, he is in half the team, so everyone's going to be playing him, but he's just on a tear, averaging just a shade under 84 points a game. He's he's the form hooker of the competition right now for Supercoach. I expect him to go well again this week. You can't actually buy him, though. Um, if someone wanted to look at a VC, I mean, look, the Warriors have got an inexperienced forward pack there for at least half of it. Um, they... Could very easily end up giving up some points in the middle, and Appy could end up getting you know a line a, a line break try and a try assist with his customary 50 tackles wouldn't surprise me, and that's like 120 points. So becomes a bit of a VC consideration if you think the Panthers could put a score on the Warriors. It is at Campbelltown Stadium. Um, in saying that, the other couple of veterans that the uh, that the Panthers have that have been going well. Quite surprisingly, um, as much as I keep saying, Josh Mansour cannot turn it back three years to when he was actually playing like a gun. He keeps putting egg on my face and keeps doing it. So Mansour just went up $71,000 this round. And he did that off the back of an 85-point score, which included a heap of tackle breaks, four offloads, and about 22 runs, I think it was. So Mansour is doing exactly what I was waiting for him to stop doing, and he keeps doing it every week right now. So I have to just admit at this point, he's a consideration. He's 487,000 now, but he has a minus three break even. So, you know, I completely understand um, anyone looking at uh, bringing him in. It makes sense now. Like I said with Daniel Tupo, if you've got a guy that can get some attacking stats or get some big scores in the next couple of weeks that has a low break even that you can then swap out when they have a harder contest, you know, that's a good center wing rotation strategy, I reckon. And Mansell fits that bill perfectly. 487K. Minus three be. I still don't think that he's going to keep it up, um, but he is at the moment. Eight percent of teams own him, so he's certainly in pod territory. A guy that's not in pod territory at all, though, is Isaiah Yo, and Yo is at the moment in the very early trading of this round, the second most traded in player. Seven point three percent of coaches have traded him in so far, and he's in forty percent of teams in total right now. Uh, he's coming off one hundred and four points last round and an 87-point scoring average across his first three games of the season. He went up 97K, and he's now 502,000 to purchase. Obviously, it would have been a lot better to purchase him a week ago, but if you haven't, I totally think that he's a fine trade-in to be making. Um, Again, the Panthers have a chance to put some points on the Warriors, depending on how well they play, and he's got a break-even at one as well. So what that means is, with Yo. Obviously, you want him in your centre, um, a second rower, or a lock forward, I should say, now in your centre spot is going to be invaluable. But a lot of people say, well, should I let him go for 500000 Look, with the points that he's putting up, uh, I don't think you can. It's just it's one of those things where I've been waiting for his minutes to go down, and certainly off prior seasons, you know, on an edge, he was an 80-minute player, but often when he was playing at lock, he was only getting 60 he played lock on the weekend and he played the full ninety minutes. So, yeah, it's at the moment it looks like that he's just going to get played that eighty minutes um, for the full games. And one of the things that might be an interesting byproduct of the new rules is some of these coaches might now be looking at their locks as eighty-minute players because they want their fitter guys out there making the tackles and, and being there as defensive linchpins that maybe the props can't be out there as long to be able to do. Um, there's there were some. Comments from Maguire where he was talking about 12, where he was saying pretty much that. A couple of other coaches have started playing their locks a few more minutes, I've noticed. So maybe it is a case where where it's a bit of a change in game plan and Yo's just going to keep playing 80 minutes. One thing I will say to be a bit scared of, though, Liam Martin's come onto the bench for the Panthers, which I mentioned. Liam Martin can very well um, go on there and play lock. He started at lock for the Panthers before, if he ends up splitting his minutes between say fifteen minutes at kick out on an edge and you know twenty minutes at lock, then all of a sudden Yo becomes a massive problem because if he's playing 60 minutes, those points are going to be nowhere near as good. You know, as an 80 minute player, he's obviously on a try scoring and, and you know clutch attack tear at the moment. That's not going to keep up. But it's his work rate that's been great. Even his work rate's going to get him 65 points a game. But if those minutes drop by twenty 20 minutes, 25%. His points are probably going to drop by 25% as well. And all of a sudden, you've got sort of a low 50s type of guy in your centre wing and you're going to have to sell him. I think that the good news with Yo now is that we've seen him play 80 minutes in 13. We've seen a few game plans of coaches change where maybe they're looking at doing that on purpose. But the biggest thing that he's got a break even of one. So, yeah, for at least the next couple of weeks, he's going to make some cash... And you could do worse than playing him against the Warriors and um, seeing. And then, you know, if if he doesn't end up getting his 80 minutes or that drops in the next couple of weeks, you can still probably make 75 grand out of it. And if you need to move him on, move him on. One of the things that always seems to happen, though, is that guys in the pack get injured and then, you know, his minutes will go back up again. So at the moment, I think that he's deserved to be looked at as a, a close to a must-have. Um, he does have the feel of one of those guys where, if you don't get him into your centre wing, you could be left completely behind. I remember when Angus Crichton came bursting onto the scene as a South rookie. And, you know, he was he had similar type of ownership to Yo. And and the thought process was the same that he couldn't keep it up. Um so a lot of people even sold him. And that ended up being a real defining um defining move for the Supercoach season. The guys that kept Crichton in their centre wing for the season Ended up getting an absolute gun second row in the centre wing that killed it, much like what John Bateman did last year. And those that didn't have him were really left pretty far behind, and it was pretty hard to catch up on the teams that did. Yo has the feel that if he doesn't get injured, um, he could keep getting these minutes now, and he's going to be one of those guys that you just have to have in your centre wing. But in a couple of weeks' time, if he's 650,000, there's no way that teams can afford to buy him. So... I think it's a great week to buy him. Uh, I couldn't begrudge anyone jumping in now. I don't think it's too late. He's going to make a lot more money. And if he keeps playing 80 minutes a game, he's going to go great this week against the Warriors. Um, I can't see him getting below 70 points again, provided he gets his 80 minutes. Um, the other guy for the Panthers side that's uh, that's really come alive as well as far as their um, their big hitters, Vili- Viliami Kikau. Kikau went fantastic on the weekend looked scintillating, running down that sideline with the ball in hand like it was a tennis ball. Um, he really caused a lot of havoc out there. One thing to note with him, though, is he, he did end up coming off again. So it looks like now that Kikau is not going to be an 80-minute player this year. Um, he has been in the past when he's been on the edge. He's not going to be. He played 75 out of a possible 90 minutes, and that's pretty, that's pretty much how it was the first couple of rounds as well. So You can safely assume that kickout is now going to be a 65-minute player. That's still going to be fine. He seems to be quite effective in those bursts, um, more so than when he has to play a full game. He ended up with six tackle breaks, two line breaks, and a try and an offload. So all the clutch attack and base attack that you could want in a second row forward for his 88 points for the round. Um, I I can't myself put him against some of the other trade-ins for this week and look at getting him in, um, but... He yes, could certainly do worse, 550K and running at that Warrior's edge. It wouldn't surprise me if he throws up another 80-something points this week. Um, his lowest score is 48 out of his three games so far. Highest score is 88, 65 average. He's, he looks pretty good. I've actually got him on my little watch list for the next sort of six weeks. Um, and then I'm going to look at him as a potential final you know, reserve, secondary forward type of guy. He could he could absolutely kill it this week, though. No, if you own him, you'd be salivating at the matchup for sure. Uh, as far as the, the guys that aren't those um, stalwarts veterans that we're talking about scoring those big points, Curtis Capewell played his first game, and, you know, he ended up playing really well. He's like Yao, a dual centre wing. And I've seen a lot of people go, you know what, Yao's 500k now, maybe I'll get Capewell instead. Because he's only 400k. He is only 400k. He is dual centre wing. So he can have a second rower there. But you need to bear in mind. He didn't play the full game on the weekend. He did come off. Uh, He only had a 7 minute rest. But he still had a rest. So if that's going to continue. You you might be getting 65 to 70 minutes out of him. That's still okay. Um, And it still might be worth taking a punt. He scored 89 points on the weekend. Uh, He had a try with that. With his line break. I'd rather see a bit more from him. He's only played the one game, so you can't afford to wait. I would rather have a look this week and see what he's going to do, minutes wise and also work rate wise. Um, because one of the things between Capel and Yao that you'll notice if you deep dive into the stats, Yao's work rate on base is basically double. You know, Yao's doing a massive amount of tackles and runs, and Capel's just basically. So, for instance, this past game, you know, um, Yao made 62 tackles. k Ball made 49 tackles. You know, not a huge difference, but, you know, about 13, 13 tackle difference there. Um, run-wise, though, Yao made 23 runs versus k 11. So more than double the runs for Yao compared to k That's There's going to be a big difference, at work rate, between that 13 roll in the middle compared to k edge where he's going to get less hit-ups and less tackles. So the work rate of Yao is, is just so much better. Uh, that's why I'd rather wait and see on Capewell. Capewell's always been a solid player. I'm not sure that he's going to be a sort of 65-point keeper player in the centre wing, um, and I think that I'd rather you know Yao out of the two, and I'd, I wouldn't be aiming to try and get both of them in uh, unless Capewell really blows it out of the park the next couple of weeks. Uh, my mate Luo was really disappointing. Um, having said that, I reckon he got dotted. I saw a few people online saying, you know, we're um, hoping for a try assist, line break assist to kick out, um, if not a try contribution, and he got none of that. How he couldn't get a try contribution when he he's the one who gave to kick out of the ball to go over? I've got no idea, um, but I reckon that those try contributions are very superstar specific, and Leo just isn't a superstar, so he didn't get the points. Let's move on to the Warriors side of things, though. Um, Elisa Katoa came in and scored 86 points. He did that with a line break try, but that line break try. If you watch the game, you know Katoa is playing like he is an out-and-out NRL veteran. He's not playing like a guy that's only played a handful of of um NRL games. He he looks the goods. He looks really really good. He passes the eye test massively and he's now averaging 62 points a game, which includes a game off the bench, and that was the lowest score that he's got out of the three of 50 points. And uh, with his high of 86 points on the weekend. He's in 30% of teams. He's just gone up 100K, but 272,000, uh, I, I still think that you should be getting him in for sure. I've seen a few people sort of think, oh, maybe I've missed the boat. You probably haven't seen the break-even. He's got a minus 46 break-even. You know, that's, it's 100K again potentially this week, and I, I cannot sing his praises enough. He has all the makings as a supercoach weapon, 272k, this guy could very easily, uh, you know, a month down the track or whatever, end up being 550, 600k. That's how good he looks when you watch him play. If he's getting 80 minutes on an edge for the Warriors, even in a Warriors side that only scored 18 points, he was still a big part of that attack running on that edge. And he he looks like he's the sort of guy that can go over for those tries, runs great lines, plays really hard. Uh, I'm such a massive fan of this kid and I reckon you should be definitely getting him in if you missed out on him. Much more so than Tanoa Brown. Now Tanoa Brown got to start on the weekend and he got a try without a line break um after Dufty spilled a ball and he he jumped on he jumped on it to score an easy try. That was great. Um but having said that, you know, he still only ended up uh making he still made seventy five grand. So you still made a good amount of money out of him, but he ended up scoring seventy points. He would have scored fifty-three without the try. He's a prop, he's not gonna get that many tries. He's going to be more of a 53, 52 point sort of sort of guy. Uh, pretty solid to play if you need to play someone. Minus 35 BE. I just don't think that he's anywhere near the job stability that Katoa's got right now. Um, and he's definitely not anywhere near the talent level. If you've already got Katoa and you need a downgrade and you don't have Brown, you know, I certainly think it makes sense still, uh, but I'd definitely prioritise Katoa out of the two. Uh, as far as playing them, you know, I'm not going to play Tanul Brown this week, but I'm I'm going to play Katoa until the wheels fall off. Like, seriously reckon he looks like one of the best Warriors players that's there. Um, another guy that is an absolute gun of the past is Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, who's falling on some hard times. Now, if you own Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, you'd be a bit disappointed. Only averaging 46 points for the season, got 57 points on the weekend, which bumped his average up a little bit, and has now lost over 60K. Only a few percent of people own him. Um, I think a lot of people realise now that he's not going to be one of the gun fullbacks compared to some of the other talent levels. So, you know, having said that, this is probably the game where I reckon that he might actually fire. Um, I don't know how good the Panthers will be able to defend him. Um, I, I just reckon this this looks like a game where he's going to go well. So. No real captaincy options for this game. Uh, I do think the Panthers are going to beat the Warriors. Uh, I do actually think there's going to be a fair few points scored this round. I think it'll be sort of a 26-20 win for the Penrith Panthers, and um, it's, it, it might be a pretty entertaining one as well. Storm vs. Rabbits is our next game. This one's at Amy Park for the Storm. For the Storm, we've got Nelson Asofa solomona suspended. Um, he's replaced a prop by Welsh. Riley Jacks joins the bench. Still no sign of Kamakamaka, so his back injury is obviously still there for those that have owned him and held on because of his negative break-even. For the Rabbit side of things, um, Patrick Margot replaces Tom Mony on the interchange bench. Margo's looked good in the past in trials and stuff, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. James Roberts is on the extended reserves list, um, but it's been heavily rumoured that he's sitting out this week, so I wouldn't consider him as a play if you do own him, although I doubt that you do. Um... Now, the Storm got done pretty heavily by the Raiders 22-6 to last week. They rarely lose two games in a row, uh, and the Rabbitohs, uh, I, I thought they looked pretty bad against the Roosters. Um, I don't think they were ever in the game, even though they were within sort of four points and, and so forth. I did, never felt like they were going to win. Um, I thought Latrell Mitchell played a lot better, but he was still a ways off. And really, you know, I was talking to... A, a couple of Rabbitohs fans that I'm mates with, and they're all pretty disappointed with the direction of the side. Guys like Adam Reynolds really didn't step up much, um, and the forward pack got really dominated by the Roosters. If there's there's another forward pack that's really going to be physical and dominate you, it's going to be the storm pack. Down at Amy Park, uh, this could be a really, really tough day for the Rabbits again. So because of that, let's start off with the storm plays for the week. Now, there isn't really any cash cows as such, But one of the interesting trends that I've seen is a lot of people have been looking at trading out Pappenhausen. Now, it's uh, probably 90% of this discussion about this game is going to be about Pappenhausen, okay? So strap yourself in and get ready for it. Pappenhausen's the second most traded out player at the moment at 5.3%, which is a pretty big amount of trade-outs. There's a lot more people that are saying that they're going to trade him out as well. I just find that extraordinary. Like, I understand people wanting to get um, Turbo in after his massive round. Uh, I even I understand people obviously getting Teddy in as well because he played well, and you know people are looking at that Teddy Turbo sort of um, garden fullback duel at the back. But Papenhausen hasn't played bad at all. He's averaging fifty four points. He hasn't got a try yet, and he was a, a try scoring line break freak last year. He really should have scored on the weekend. Okay, he he, he got absolutely dudded a line break try uh, by the video ref. I reckon that he scored that clearer than what some of the other tries of the weekend were. Um, and he ended up on 54 points still. He would have ended up um, on, you know, 78 points or something, including his tackle breaks. If that call got was right. And then all of a sudden people are looking at him as a great score. He's going to explode. It's just a matter of when he's playing a South side that Teddy put a ton on and who, are really going to struggle with his speed and how he runs is very similar to Teddy as far as his tackle breaks and so forth. So I'm, I'm not just against selling him. Like I'm looking at him as a vice-captaincy option for this week. I think that he could go that big against the Rabbits. Uh, I There's no way that I would sell Pappenhausen right now. Aside from the Rabbits this week, you then have to look at the fact that the Storm play Newcastle, um, who they could put some points on against, but I'm not saying it's an easy, easy matchup. Then they play the Panthers... Then they hit the Warriors uh, at Amy Park. So they've got a pretty good sort of month of football coming up. I would want Papenhausen for that run. Uh, he, you know that from last year that he's going to go well. He's, he's going as bad as he can at the moment and still averaging 54. You know, that says how good he is. Lowest score, 49. Highest score, 59. He's doing fine. I understand these other guys are better, but Papenhausen is going to make money and he's going to give you great points, and he's every chance over the next few weeks of outscoring either Teddy or Turbo. I would, I'd just keep him there. Um, if you've got Ponga at fullback, I think it makes more sense to get rid of Ponga, uh, or whoever else you got at fullback. It makes more sense, and I just bite the bullet and say to yourself, I'm not going to get Teddy and Turbo. I'm going to wait for one of them until a later run, and then grab, and then grab my other guy then and jump off Pap then. That's exactly what I'm doing. Vice-captain material this week for me, Pap, and as far as the other Storm guys go... Uh, I do expect that Cameron Smith is going to sort of take it a bit personally going up against Damien Cook, too. He played well on the weekend again, um, scored in the 70s. He's probably going to score that again, I reckon, against the Rabbit side. Um, But let's have a quick talk about this Rabbit's team because their pack is in all type of disarray. uh, Knight is an immediate sell. He's got a break-even, at 62. He obviously had that injury effect on last game, which didn't help him, but 8.3% of coaches are trading him out. Uh, he definitely should be. He's got a tough matchup this week. He should be one of your first guys out. I said last week it was fine to hold him to see. We've seen now Now his break-even's gone, and we need to get rid of him. Uh, but I guess if I'm being positive about the Rabbits, Cameron Murray looked a little bit more comfortable last week. So Cameron Murray ended up tonning up. He scored a try in a line but 104 points is still a, a really good score. His work rate was up. Um, I thought that he looked a lot more comfortable. And, you know, I've said I'd rather see him um, in the middle before I considered buying him. He's 635k with a low-ish even and a 52, which he should probably hit. Um, he's on that watch list category, along with guys like Jaiaro for me. He's only in nineteen percent of teams. Uh, for a side that got pretty comprehensively beaten, he played really well on the weekend. So it might just be a case of Cameron Murray needing a couple of weeks to sort of um, get more and more comfortable with the the position um, on the edge rather than in the middle. Uh, having said that, with how the the rabbit's Middle's going, you know, it, it's all likelihood that in a couple of weeks he'll get moved back there. If he does, I'll be looking at buying him straight away. Um, Damian Cook on the weekend ended up doing really, really well. Scored um, 71 points for the round. Which, considering the game, worked out really well for him, he's only in thirteen percent of teamers at the moment, so he's got sixty one k that he just lost, he's got hundred and six break even against the storm. um If he gets you know a similar type of score line, maybe a solid sixty instead, he's going to end up being in the five hundreds to purchase, and he's going to be a straight swap for Appy Coruscant. In a couple of weeks' time, that's certainly a trade that I'll, I'll be considering making for sure. Um, maybe Appy will keep it up, but, you know, Damien Cook's firing when the Rabbits aren't even doing well, so I'd love to get him in for some of those big matchup games. The Storm game is going to be really tough for him, but next week he's got the Gold Coast Titans, and that's at Bankwest Stadium. So, you know, he, he could absolutely get a ton next week. Um, the week after, he's got the Warriors. So all of a sudden, um, getting these guys like Cook in becomes a priority if you want to get onto one of his runs. He had a run last year where four out of five games in a row, we scored 100-plus. It's going to happen again. It's just a matter of when. And after this week, when you're looking at the Titans, the Warriors, the Penrith Panthers, um, and the Bulldogs, and then the Tigers, that is a five-week run that he could absolutely go ballistic and average sort of 110 points, which is what happened for that run last year. So uh, after he loses money this week, um, hopefully he's going to be sort of that 585k mark. I'd certainly be looking at at trying to get him in as a bit of a pod option. Well, pod for him at 13% owned. As it stands, um, I don't think he'll do as well this week against the Storm. So I'm really happy to wait for him, but I like what I'm seeing from him. Isn't too much else to talk about from, from this point of view. As far as captaincy options go, I wouldn't be captaining anyone except for maybe Cameron Smith. So Cameron Smith could do pretty well. Uh, if the Storm put on the, put on the points, he might actually do really well. So maybe he's a bit of a left of field option if you do own Cameron Smith. Uh, I see it as a bit of a 26 to 14 type of scoreline for the Storm. That's what I'm going to go with for this one. Next game of the round is Eels West Seagulls uh, blockbuster. I really can't wait for this one. I think it's one of the games of the round, if not the best one. Um, there isn't many changes either. So there's, well, actually there's no changes from, from either side as far as their starting sides go. Uh, for the Eels side of things, uh, they looked really good last week. I was a bit disappointed that Mitchell Moses got downgraded. Um, he, I think he was on like 69 and he ended up getting downgraded to 58, which is pretty annoying because most players went up. Uh, my boy sevo ended up on sixty three points with that try line break. He very quietly you know he's he 's gone under the radar a little bit because he hasn 't had those block busting runs that we 're used to of him. His tackle breaks are down his offloads are down his runs are down there 's no denying that, um, but he 's still quietly getting his sort of sixty odd points so he hasn 't been too bad to hold at the moment um, four out of the five. Parramatta games coming up are all at Bankwest Stadium. So that is a huge, huge deal. We haven't really spoken about enough on this podcast. Guys like Moses and Sivo have gone ballistic at Bankwest in the past, and four out of the next five are going to be at Bankwest. So it's a pretty good run. Um, Another couple of guys are a little bit less fancied. I don't think you can get Clint Gutherson into your side in any way, shape, or form. There's just too many good fullbacks. But having said that, it's really difficult to ignore the fact that he just scored 124 points. Uh, he's got a low score of 30 and his high score of 124, and he's only three percent of teams because obviously he's a fullback only. But if you needed a you know a cut price fullback, he's got a low BE of 19. He's 540k. Yeah, maybe you'd consider him, but I, I just think that it's a really good performance that needs to get mentioned. I don't think that you can get him in with all the other good options. Um, Another guy that I might be looking at getting in, though, as a complete pot option, and probably around the same sort of percentage ownership, is Junior Paulo. Now, I know that nobody mentions Junior Paulo anywhere. You never see anything said about him, but he had a really good game on the weekend. He was popping a lot of really good offloads, and that's been his bread and butter. He's a guy that can get the TBs and the offloads as a big, bustling front row. He's only 565k, and that's after going up. He's got a 33BE, but... What I'm most interested in at 3% ownership is whether he keeps things up on his minutes and his output. So at the moment, he's got a low score of 56 with a high score of 77, which is on the weekend. His average is actually 70 points a game, just quietly. So he's, he's done that very under the radar, Junior Paulo, and we've seen this from him before. Basically, all it comes down to is if he's going to get the minutes. He played 46 minutes round one, um, 54 minutes in round two. And then when we come to round three, he played um, 58 minutes. So if it means that they're going to push him a little bit harder now that um, uh, maybe he's... It's hard to say because I I was about to say maybe because his fitness is up, but he's just had a big layoff, but he didn't seem to struggle too much and he seemed to have a lot of impact. If he's going to be playing sort of 55 minutes plus, he's a definite option. With his PPM, um, he's going to get you 60s. As an average, with that, for the season across his three games, um, Paulo is averaging about three offloads a game as well. He's very consistent with that. He's a very good offloader and he's a very good tackle break guy. You're going to get your few offloads a game from him. He does push them quite a bit, uh, so he's a definite pod watch. Um, and he could be someone that's going to perform better than some of the more fancied options like an expensive Clemmer or a um, or, or a workhorse like twelve even. Not saying he definitely will, but I'm going to watch him in the next couple of weeks and see. As far as as far as superstars go, though, uh, my boy Madison absolutely killed it on the weekend. Five offloads, 31 tackles, uh, a line break try assist, and 16 runs. Uh, He did absolutely everything you you kind of expect from him. One of the good things about Madison too is he doesn't have very many negative stats. He generally doesn't miss many tackles, and he also um, generally doesn't concede too many penalties. So He's, uh, I think that he's definitely the second best, very clear cut second best second rower you can have. And I think that by the season's end, he's definitely going to challenge Tom Malolo for the best second rower that you can have. He's still a guy that you can get in, um, but you're going to have to get him in pretty quickly or you're going to miss out on his points. 32 break even. He's going to keep going up. At the moment, he's 657K. For the season, he's averaging 82 points. Lowest score, 62 And high score, 99, which was that round. Billy mentioned that he didn't have a score 50 or below last year. On the Eels, he's in a better side with better attack, and he seems to be a lot more confident um, and a lot happier as well. I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he went the whole season and didn't score below 60 this year. That's how consistent he is. Love Madison as a buy at any time. He's only in 22% of teams, and he's going to have plenty of games where he turns up like this. He didn't even score a line break try on the weekend. He just did it with a heap of offloads and the, um, and the clutch attack with his assists. So yeah, once he goes over for a try, he, he might easily have a 125-point game, and it's going to happen pretty shortly. Love him as a buy, Even love him for this match-up against the tougher Seagull side. He's going to get overshadowed, though, by Tommy Turbo, uh, and and how couldn't you? Draboyevich threw up an absolute scintillating performance right from the get-go he scored the very first try of the match and he just did not let up and honestly he could have scored a lot more scored about 150 points and i tell you what i was worried as a non-owner that he was going to get to 200 especially when a fair few teams sort of got him in last week i was looking at it i just couldn't swing it i had too many other things i had to do i really wish i obviously did it now he's in 17 percent of teams at the moment. He's he's one of the most traded in players very early on. Teams are trying to tear themselves apart to get him in. Got 152 points. Easily could have been 200. He probably got a, a couple of tries bombed on him, which wasn't too fair. Had a couple of try assists, a couple of line breaks, a couple of tries himself. He just did it all. Um, but I am going to be slightly negative on buying him at the moment. He's only got to be at 15. At 722,000, He's he could easily get to 800k pretty soon. But you know, to me, it's if, you, if you've if you already got Tommy or Teddy and you want to get the other one, that's fine. You've already got one of them. If you don't have either of them, I think it's going to be pretty hard to try and get both in at the moment. So I really think that you've got to prioritise. Turbo has a decent run. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Power is obviously pretty good. Then he's got Brisbane and then he's got Canberra and then he's got the Sharks and then he's got Newcastle. So next month or so, a footy, you know, is a bit up and down as far as the quality of opposition. One of the things that I like about Teddy compared to Turbo, though, uh, Teddy seems to have less of those lower scores because he hits the tackle breaks and he also just runs the ball a lot. You know, he had 20-something runs and I think a, a dozen tackle breaks on the weekend, uh, whereas Teddy generally has sort of even half as much work as far as his runs. He just ends up with a lot more tries um, when the when the manly seagulls are flying, so I I tend to think that you've missed 150 on him now. Uh, I wouldn't tear my team apart to get him. I'm actually looking at Teddy because I think the next two weeks of matchups are better as far as his point scoring goes. Couldn't begrudge anyone getting Turbo in though. If you want him over Teddy, go for it. Just the chasing last week's points is always going to be there. <laughs> it's <laughs> He just had that good a game. I doubt that he's going to back it up anytime soon, but I could be wrong because, you know, he's pretty much an immortal as far as Supercoach goes. So maybe he does. Um, against the Eels, though, this week, I, I just don't think he's going to repeat it. I think he's going to come back down to earth. And as far as the other guys in the Seagull side, um, Tapau was pretty disappointing and subsequently has a really high break even now. We spoke about tapau um Last week, I I mentioned Fanua Blake and and Billy mentioned Tapao because he thought that he might be a better buy, potentially. Um, Tapao only played 46 minutes, uh, which is a bit of a killer. Um, He is a guy that maybe they'll try and play him in shorter bursts. Um, But Fanua Blake got his minutes in the 50s, which is all he really needs. 22 runs, 22 tackles, one offload. But the guy that I want to give some real props to is a completely unsung hero and he really deserves it because no one ever talks about him. Curtis Siernan, and everyone, you know, is going to laugh when I say that. Curtis Siernan, that's what I said. Uh, He's improved his game out of sight the last couple of years in both super coach and in real life. He has become a really well-rounded player. He's 550K and just quietly, he threw up 113 points on the weekend. Now, he did that with his line break and try, but he also had all the base base attack stats that, you, that you're after. He had five tackle breaks and four offloads. Always been a good offloader. Very quietly, he's averaged 71 points now for his three games this year. Um, obviously, a lower score in the 39 range, but 113 for his highest. He's someone to keep an eye on. He's got a break-even at nine. I couldn't get him in at 550K. Uh, I was hoping, not looking at him for a couple of weeks, that he was sort of, you know, 400,000. I was actually going to be interested. I, I couldn't buy him at 550K, but deserve deserves some props. He had a massive game on the weekend, um, and his game is very similar to what Madison's was. So if he can sort of take that next level leap, he, he might be one of the elite second rowers in the near future. Um, aside from that, those are probably the main guys to talk about for this week's matchup, um, I'm pretty... You have to play Tom Travojevic if you get him. I'm pretty down on him getting 100 points again, but you never know. He's still going to score well. Uh, but I'm really into the Eels for this week. I think being at Ben they're going to make a bit of a statement. Um, I like Sebo to score a try this week again and to continue his run. Mitchell Moses is a guy that um, I think is going to keep going well, but Ryan Madison's a big one. He has become an option to captain every week because of his flaw. And with the next game we're going to talk about the Cowboys versus Sharks having Tom Malolo ruled out, Madison all of a sudden becomes a pretty good captaincy option for those that own him, especially when he's only 22% owned. You're going to get a guy that isn't going to be highly captained that has a good chance of uh, maybe getting towards a ton if he gets some attacking stats. But if he doesn't, he's still going to get you you know, 65 at a minimum and he's going to be a safe bet in a round where there isn't a lot of safe ones. At Bank West, I'm going to roll with the Eels in what's going to be a cracker of a game. Um, I think we're going to be looking at sort of a 26-24 nail-biter edge towards the Eels. Cowboys-Sharks, like I mentioned, is the next one on Saturday. And this one is Valentine Holmes' return against his old club, the Sharkies. So Lolo is out. That's the big news. Um, Maguire's then going to start at lock for Tom Lolo. Francis Molo moves from the bench to Maguire's starting role, which is quite interesting. Cooper's back from injury, but he's on the bench. Um, he may very well end up starting for Mitchell Dunn when all is said and done, pun fully intended. Uh, super coach news for the Sharkies is that Chad Townsend is out, but Matt Moylan's going to start at five eight. I don't think they lose too much with that. They're going to put Moylan on um, to partner Sean Johnson in the halves. Will Kennedy's been pretty good at fullback. Uh, that does mean that Will Kennedy's going to have um, some extra money making, which is great. Andrew Fafita um, is still gone, which means that Tody Rudolph is another starter. Um, he started last week, went pretty well. If you own him, that's fantastic. He still has a negative break even, but I'd certainly be buying the likes of Tenor Brown and um, and Katoa over him still. We've got uh, Talakai named on the bench as well. He's going to be debuting for the Sharkies. So a couple of big outs for these teams. Townsend out and Tomalolo out is huge for each team's um but I think one of the things is it's going to be played up there for the Cowboys, which isn't going to help the Sharkies, but it's a it's really a must-win for the Sharks team. So, you know, they looked really, really poor last week. That second half was a terrible performance in the second half. The Tigers just really owned them. I didn't expect that. I thought the Sharks would have played a lot better. No Fafita's been a blow, but, you know, some of the guys that have been scoring really well for them for Supercocious. We're absolute duds. One guy that I didn't mention was Sione Katoa. Um, now Sione Katoa was at 360k. He's just made 45k, and he did that with you know a 24 point round. It was exactly the sort of round that we weren't expecting from him. Aside from playing the Tigers, he was averaging you know half a dozen tackle breaks and four offloads a game. The first couple of rounds, his base attack was off the charts. This game, he completely went missing. Um, he, he didn't do any of that at all and subsequently ended up with a a, a terrible score. But like Sean Johnson, the Sharks do have a good run of games coming up. So against the Cowboys, they could score quite well because it is a must win. They are going to have to step up. Obviously, Sean Johnson scoring 25 points is terrible as well as Katoa's 24. If you own them both, it is brutal. Shout out to Catfish. Um, but I... I I've had a heap of questions and a heap of people saying I'm going to trade Sean Johnson. I need to remind everyone of their draw, okay? They got the Cowboys this week, Dragons, Bulldogs, Manly, and the Titans. Now, this week's game's a must win, I expect them to step up. The Dragons and the and the Bulldogs are two of the most under siege teams at the moment. They're not looking great at all. They're fantastic matchups for Crenella and certainly fantastic matchups for someone like SJ. That Titans matchup in a month is gold. You know you're going to want SJ captaincy on that sort of game. So I would pull back a little bit on the on the sell SJ. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if SJ turns it around this week and has a big game. But to do that, he's going to need his forwards to step up. Um, they were pretty disappointing as well. A little bit of a a little bit of a pod that we've spoken about a few times on the podcast is Wade Graham though. He actually had a pretty big game. Um, from Supercoach' point of view, um, he's a massive pod. But he ended up with a couple of tries assists in this one, and really, he looked like the only guy that was going to score points for them. Um, against that edge of the Cowboys, I wouldn't be surprised if he kept that form up and he got some more points. He scored 64 points for the round, which wasn't fantastic, but he looked really good with ball in hand. Um, got a forced dropout as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he kept that up. $510,000, it's a little bit too hard at the moment with all the great buys to take a punt on him, but deserves a shout-out. Um, could have a big game this week. On the Cowboys side of things, a guy that could have a massive game, though, is Valentine Holmes. Playing his, his former club, uh, fully expect the former club um, enthusiasm and work rate to be there. I reckon he's going to be involved in absolutely everything with Michael Morgan still out. He went up 37 grand to a clean 601K now. And that's still going to be doable if you wanted to get him in for the run. 33 BE, he's going to keep going up. He's coming off 102 points. That means that he's now averaging 78 points a game for the season. Lowest score of 63 points. Coming up against the Shark side, the the Tigers really did what they wanted to um, with them. They, they, They really tore him apart in the second half especially. If that same Shark side turns up, um, Holmes could go ballistic. One little caveat, though, is with Tom Lolo out, it might be harder for them to have um, that type of go-for that's going to allow the backs to do what they want. Billy obviously traded him in uh, last week, Valentine Holmes, and he traded him in for the Cowboys run, which is going to be good. That includes the Sharks this week. I would not be captaining him, but if you've got a later captaincy option, then certainly he's vice-captain material. Um... Having said that, you know, it's. I don't want to sound like that I'm down on Valentine Holmes, but I still think that Teddy and Turbo are the two best fullbacks that you can have, and I still think that if you own Happenhausen, you should be holding him over grabbing someone like Valentine Holmes as well. Uh, obviously, Tom Lalla outlives a big hole. Cohen Hess was a pretty a pretty decent scorer last week, um, but he probably didn't get to, get to the heights that we were hoping for. He didn't get that line-break try that I, I thought that he might have... But he still made an easy um, almost 50 grand straight away from his week last week against the Titans and still scored uh, 62 points, which is really solid. He's now got a score of 59 a game across his three games, which are 38, 62 and 77 points. He's just been getting better and better as well. Uh, He's got a minus 7 BE now. So I don't think he should be jumping on now. But if he jumped on last week, uh, then you'd be pretty happy. And with how the Sharks' defence was on the weekend, they had some really soft misses. Uh, Cohen Hess could be in for a good one as well with um, the, the Sharks' forward pack not really firing up. So I'd be pretty keen to be playing him. Drinkwater was another big buy last week. Um, he didn't quite reach the heights that we were hoping for either. But in saying that, um, he's still going to make a fair bit of money. He's 422 k now, but he just made 61000 just in the one week. So, you know... That's why me and Billy were saying last week that he really is a can't-miss. Um, you know, Even though he only scored 55 for the round, it wasn't great, but you still made 60 grand out of it straight away. He's still got an 11 BE, which means he's still got plenty of time to keep going up and to get towards that 500 mark even pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks if he has a big score this week, which is totally possible against the Sharkies. So I'm not too disappointed. I saw a few people disappointed he didn't go bigger, yet he he could have gone bigger, but 61 grand is nothing to sneeze at. I also thought just in real life, looking at the game, he looked very busy. He looked very involved. He looked very composed. He was putting in a lot of kicks. He had, I think, two two passes called back forward that were tries as well. And if they didn't get called back, um, and they could have been let go, I've seen much worse let go, uh, You know, he would have been edging towards 90-odd points with his try assists and line break assists. So he wasn't far off having a massive game. Uh, I reckon he'll be heaps involved again for this one. Ben Hampton scored 78 points, uh, was the best centre wing as far as money-making goes for the week. With his 78 points, he obviously had two tries and two line breaks, so he didn't have a hell of a lot else in there, but he doesn't need a hell of a lot else. He'll score tries on that wing, he's just as likely to score a try again this week against the Sharkies. 85 grand he made last week. I even thought to myself, if you missed out on him, can you still jump on him? I think it's pretty hard. He's he's still got a minus 33 BE, but he's 322K now, which for a guy that can throw out a 30 pretty easily, it's probably, probably not worth it with all the other premium trades. Um, and this is probably a good segue in this game when you're talking about guys like this to talk about planning your trades. So you've got some other cheapies that... Are potentially going to make more money than Hampton now because he's so expensive. Bradman Best is a prime example. If you're looking at getting Ben Hampton in, but you're not sure that you're going to be able to fit Bradman Best in next week, then just don't do it. Get Bradman Best in now. Uh, you want to get the guy that's going to be you know cheaper at 320k. You're not going to make as much money out of Hampton as you will if you can get one of these other options. Uh, I wouldn't be getting him in now for that reason. If this was happening in a, a, you know six weeks' time, and there wasn't any clear-cut trade. Um, targets cash cows to get in that were must like a Grant or or a Bradman best and certainly Hampton would still maybe work. I don't think at this point of the season with where we're at it's going to work getting Hampton in even though he's got the minus break even. I think there's too many other options in the centre wing at the moment so I I wouldn't be doing it if you had him. You could probably play him. I'd just be aware that he could very well throw up a 30 this week and you know that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. As far as how this game goes, yeah, it's it's really a coin toss. I'm going to edge towards the Sharkies because I reckon if they're ever going to fire, it's going to be this one. They they're going to be 0-4 if they lose this, and the final is going to be very hard to get to. Uh, I do think that Moylan in the halves, starting with Sean Johnson, is going to help. They're both going to they're both pretty creative. Um, couldn't possibly captain or VC anyone in this game, but certainly Sean Johnson. I think could have a bounce-back game. Uh, My big call for this one, Sean Johnson, 75-plus points. That's still going to put him on really low coin to bring him in in a couple of weeks. I don't care how bad he was last week. Uh, I'm absolutely looking to bring him in in a couple of weeks' time, so I'll be watching him pretty closely for this one. Raiders versus Knights. Uh, Now, this one's up at Campbelltown Stadium. And for the, the Raiders side, Simonson's back starting on the wing, and Jordan Rapana's back to Jersey 17. Fully expect that, expect that to change. Rapana will start again. Um, I don't think there's any question that's what's going to happen. Pong is back for the Knights, which is huge. Connor Watson has not recovered from injury, so now he's going to be out for sort of six to eight weeks, it looks like. Um, and that means that Tex Hoy's got the utility spot on the bench and Andrew McCulloch's going to start. Mitchell Pierce has been named, um, but Mason Lino is in the extended squad. If you do own Pierce, you know, you're know you probably looking at training him anyway because of that um, unlucky score last week. He's probably not going to score great against the, the Raiders this week. Another thing to know, though, is with Lino there, it does sort of say that maybe he's going to be a late scratching. Um, it certainly was a pretty bad head knock, so it could happen. For Supercoach scoring in this one, um, starting off with the Raiders... George Williams was man of the match. He had a fantastic game. Um, against the Storm, you wouldn't have expected it, so I'm sure a lot of people benched him. Um, me and Billy both said I'd bench him for sure, so sorry about that, guys. He scored 69 points, played pretty well. Um, having said that, he, he's got up 40K, 373000 to purchase in 27% of teams, and I'm still seeing people say, you know, maybe I'll buy him. And, and that seriously has been a question. It surprised me quite a bit. There's no chance I'd be going near him. Um it it's he's had two try assists on the weekend and still only ended up with sixty nine points. He's got a low score of thirty-four and he's shown that he can have um some lower scores in him. I, I just think that there's far better options than George Williams. As good as he is, he's gonna take his licks as well as someone who's only had three NRL games. Uh this week, you know, he he could go well against the Knights and put egg on my face, he probably will but I'm still not going to see him as a buy. Um, I think that if you passed on him, you passed on him, and you should be looking at other upgrades rather than getting someone that's sort of uh, got an okay break even at 20, but not going to make a heap of money and not guaranteed to give you a heap of points either. I just sort of see it as a bit of a nothing trade myself. But all credit to George. He, he played excellent, and if you managed to play him against the Storm, well done. Um, one that we disagreed on, me and Billy, last week when we were reviewing these games was Kotrick. Um, I was very big on I'm going to play Kotrick every week because I'm a Kotrick believer and Billy was like, nah, you should bench him. So, glad that I started him because he gave me a solid 63 points. That did come with his try, so completely understand um, the detractor saying, oh yeah, but you know he, he did that having to score a try. Um, that's not a great score for a winger when he had to score a try to get to 63 points, blah blah blah. That's fine. Um, he still had six tackle breaks and those tackle breaks are his bread and butter. He's been doing that the entire time, and that's pretty much all that he needs to do to keep getting good scores. So he's very quietly averaging 58 points a game uh, with his lowest score of 49. For a winger, if your lowest score is going to be 49, then you've got a bloody good winger on your hands to super coach. He's still only in 12% of teams, and even though he's just gone up 41,000, he's still only just a shade over 400 grand if you want to purchase him. When you're looking at the next five for the Canberra Raiders, uh, it's not too bad. They've got Newcastle, then the Tigers, Manly, Eels, and then the Dragons. Certainly Manly, Eels is a bit tougher, um, but the next two weeks, Knights and Tigers could certainly let in quite a few points. That Dragons game, I'd be very surprised if Kotrick doesn't go in on that side uh, and score a try as well. Very good on the tackle breaks, Kotrick. The base-base attack is what I want from him, Um, so I'm pretty glad I own him. I'll definitely be playing him this week, and I'm expecting him to score a try. Rapana came back as the opposite winger and ended up starting this game and scored a try as well, and he he looked pretty good for a guy that hasn't played for quite a long time. He looked very good. He's 421,000, so he's going to be a little bit more than um, than what Kotrick is. Um, Simonson obviously got named, but uh, you know if Rapana starts again and plays 80 minutes... He's going to be a bit of a watch next week. He's in 0% of teams at the moment. And obviously the next couple of weeks, at least Canberra's got a pretty good run. He's obviously a guy in the past that has been an absolute super coach weapon. Um, Against the Knights this week, I I could definitely see him busting out as well. Against the Raiders last week, um, he, he did it with his quintessential work rate that we expected of him. Ended up with 18 runs, Line break try. Uh, Had a couple of tackle breaks. Obviously, we expect a few more um, tackle breaks with Vintage Rapana and and maybe some offloads in there, but he looked like he was getting there. His work rate was definitely up. Um, So I I liked what I saw from him. He's definitely on the watch list, Uh, and certainly if the Raiders are firing, he's someone who can keep scoring the tries as well. So I'm going to be watching him. I don't think anyone owns him to put him in this week, but I expect him to be starting as well. Aside from that, there's the back rowers from the Raiders who you know, have been making a bit of cash. Corey Hallsbury scored 51 points. Tappany went 66 points. They're going to be sells pretty soon. Bateman isn't named in this extended squad, but he's probably going to be back next week. Uh, and one of those guys is going to suffer by getting demoted. The other guy's probably going to suffer from um, Bateman taking some of the work and some of the ball as well. So we'll wait and see with them. Uh, I've actually got both of those Raiders back rowers, so I'm going to play them this week for sure. And particularly, one thing with Tappany is um, people probably forget that Tappany left Newcastle on not very happy terms. Um, he he had a falling out with the coach and stuff, and he wasn't happy about leaving. Um, I fully expect him to remember that because footballers do, and I fully expect him to really step up this week and to be tackle busting, offloading, attacking, and and you know putting in. So I reckon he's a really good play this week against that um against that Newcastle side. I also think they're going to need Corey Horsburgh for as many minutes as they can get, along with their big fellas, because the Knights pack's pretty big. Um, and I reckon that they're going to need him. They've got guys like SASA, Clemmer and Safidi, who are all bruises in there. Um, and then Glasby off the bench as well, who had a blind last week. So, yeah, I reckon the big fellas are going to play quite a bit. Um, guys like Emre Gula, though, he was a cash cow. He just made 85000 I had a question earlier on You know, I've only had him for a week. Can I sell Emre Gula? Absolutely, you can sell Emre Gula. He's already made his money for you. Um, One of the things this year is, you know, you don't have to wait to make hundred grand off guys. Trades are going to be worth a bit less because there's so many of them. They're not going to be as valuable. Certainly, you can trade Gula. I'd expect Gula to probably play similar minutes as he did last week. Again, uh, he only scored like 35 points. You definitely can't play him. And you're not going to really make much more money out of him. So it's probably going to be a worthwhile um, upgrade if you can get him to someone else. Uh, on the night side of things, um, the big news is obviously that Kalen Ponga is back. He's a must start. If you own him, go for it. There's a lot of teams that ended up selling him. One of the things that I was interested in with Kalen Ponga, though, is his ownership has absolutely plummeted. A lot of people have traded him out. Ponga's still in twenty two percent, it seems, but I, I do expect that to go down a bit further. A lot of people are still yet to do their trades and stuff. I've considered trading out Ponga myself as well, um, so certainly, certainly I might do that to a Teddy or something like that. Um, but I don't think he's a bad play this week. You know, if you need to hold him, I wouldn't be upset about it. People forget about the fact that uh, you know Ponga is averaging. 82 points for the year so far. Obviously, he's only played the two games, but he scored 81 and 82 points in those two games, and he could very well carve up the Raiders. I know that they're good, but Ponga's a bit of a talent. One thing that I would say, just to be aware of, um, if Lino comes into the side, he's probably going to end up the goal kicker and take it off Ponga. It's happened before. Whenever Mason's come into the side, he's ended up goal kicking for the Knights and taking it off Ponga because he's, you know, um, as one of the big Knights fans that I know that is on some of the chats and stuff, Luke Garrity, he, um, he rightfully pointed out that the Lino an 85% goal kicker. And he's you know, more than 10% better than what Kalen Ponga is. So that's probably going to be a bit of a drawback. Um, other than that though, on the night side of things, there is one of the best cheapies that we've had since the competition has resumed. And that is Bradman best. He came in last week and ended up looking really solid. Um, Ended up having a really good work rate, which I really liked. And I expect that again. I think that's going to be a staple of what he does. But he's 240-odd K, so he's not bottom dollar, but he's certainly going to be worth getting in. He scored 100 points exactly last week. um, And he did that by scoring one try, one line break. But he also had an offload. But one of the things that I really liked about his performance was um, he had 19 runs and three tackle breaks. And he looked like the sort of kid that could get a lot more tackle breaks than that. His tackle breaks were were really really good. Um, it's it, it's it, it's just you can see with the size of him, he's really solidly built and he moves quite well. And I think he's going to get better and better. He's already scored hundred points in that debut game for this year. You know, he's looked pretty good last year when he played. Uh, I, I expect him to carry on the form. Newcastle's draw, you know, against the Raiders, he's he's probably going to struggle a little bit, but their future draw isn't too bad. They end up, after this week, um, playing another hard one against the Storm. But then they've got the Broncos and then the Cowboys. So, you know, those games, I think that Senators go pretty well against those sides. So, yeah, he he could make some good cash at worst. Um, At best, you're going to be able to play him every now and then. Certainly, I think that he's pretty close to a must-have. I wouldn't say must-have, but pretty close to it. One thing that you're going to have to be careful of is... Grant from the Tigers is in the next game, but he's an absolute must-have. Both of them are playing their second game this week, uh, which means they're going to rise after next week's games. So you've got to get him in next week's trades. Sometimes it's really hard to do that, to commit to get two cheapies in next week, and if you don't want to miss them, it might be easier to go early on one of them. So I'd certainly go early on Grant over the two of them because Grant is absolutely going to be a must-have and could carve up the Titans, so he's someone who you can who you can get in now and comfortably play in your 17, whereas Best, you know, he might not go that well against the Raiders. Um, and then that way you can trade in a gun this week and a gun next week, and you're not stuck on having to get in um, two cash cows next week. Other thing that I like that it does by going early on someone like that, if you know in the next two weeks you've got to get two cheapies in, is it, it gives you a bit of flexibility. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I get Grant in next If I'm going to get Grant and Braden Best in next week, but I have a major injury, like, you know, I've got Tedesco and he breaks his leg and he's out for three months. Um, Yeah, it's... I'm going to either have to not trade Tedesco next week and carry that money on my bench and have a weak side or miss out on one of the must-have cheapies. And I really don't want to be doing either. So it allows you the flexibility if you've got that extra trade there where you're going to get a gun in to be able to trade Teddy out to get that gun or, or something like that. So... I'm big on going early on one of these guys. I'm very big on making sure that you're doing your trade planning and you're planning out your next couple of weeks. And realistically, two out of your next four trades across this fortnight should be Brad and Best, and and should be should be Grant. Um, as far as the other Super Coach guys in this side, you know Mitchell Pierce is a sell because that score, as I said, there isn't really a hell of a lot to talk about other than David Clammer, who continues to be an absolute beast. So last week Billy mentioned. If Clemmer keeps doing his offloads, maybe his minutes won't matter. We were both pretty concerned about his minutes. His minutes still stayed pretty low, but he just kept offloading. And as a result, he ended up scoring really well. So, as far as his stats go, um, in a game that went 90 minutes, Clemmer played 66. But he was on near the end of that, so his minutes did go up, but he wasn't going to play sort of the... 60s minutes that he normally would have last year, um, but they did go up a little bit, so maybe there's cause to think that that they're building his minutes up. The three offloads is the big thing that stands out, though. Obviously, he's always going to have the big work rate, but he's now been off. He's now had multiple offloads in every game so far this year, which is something that I don't think he's ever done in his career before. So now, all of a sudden, um, Clemmer becomes someone who, you know, at 620-odd K, is very much in calculations to be getting in, Uh, Obviously, we were down on him for the first couple of weeks because his minutes were lower than this, but they seem to have shot up a little bit, and the main thing is as well that the offloads seem to be more of a staple of what his game is going to look like this year. So uh, I'll definitely be looking at getting him in. I'm going to be looking at another couple of weeks, though, because obviously there's other trade priorities. I don't think you need to prioritise him against um, a game against this Canberra pack, Uh, but he certainly played well last week. Um, Hopefully, he keeps offloading, and he's going to be a real asset. If you've got him in... Uh, congratulations, he's he's looking like that he's added that offlane to his game and he's going to keep scoring really well. Um, other news in this one, there isn't really any captaincy or vice-captaincy options I'd be going for. Um, and it is sort of that round where there isn't too many captaincy options. So if you don't have a premium guy in your side, like if you're thinking about getting a Teddy in or you're thinking about getting a Madison in in particular, this is a really good round to be doing it because as you can see with each of these games, there's not a hell of a lot of options with Tom Lolo out and Haas playing the Roosters, um, you know, that you're really safe on maybe getting a big score on. Uh, this game, I reckon that the Knights are going to step up provided Pierce is playing. I think the Pongo will play well, um, but I do think that the Raiders are going to win. I'm going to go for a 26-18 to 18 score for the Raiders way. I reckon it'll be a pretty entertaining game, though. Kurt Mann obviously deserves a shout as well. I just missed him. Um, if you ended up with him, you're going to be pretty happy. He's been going pretty well. Um, I just keep in mind, if if Pierce is out, um, Lino probably dominates the pool a lot more than what Pierce does. Um, Mann might not have the best game. But even if Pierce is in, uh, I'd have a hard time playing Mann this week, so I'd certainly be sitting him against that Raiders side. I don't think he's going to score too well. Titans vs. Tigers is the next game, and... Boy, the Tigers looked really good last week. I just have to say that off the bat. Their side has no changes, and I wouldn't expect any. Um, They played quite well. For the Titans, it's anyone's guess whether this side sticks because they've got Jared Wallace in Jersey 18, Whitbread's now in Jersey 19 after being on the bench before, Anthony Dons in Jersey 20, and Jonas Pearson, who played, is in Jersey 21. Bryce Cartwright's back in the, the side on the bench. Um and Young Tonema P is on the bench as well. It's an absolute lottery what's going to happen with that Titans side. Um, I I have to think that there's going to be multiple changes to that side um, when they take the field. The Tigers looked really good last week. Um, A few things to consider with them is David Nolfo has been someone who's been asked about constantly. Um, He's really expensive now, but he... Came pretty close to a ton last week. Looked fantastic against the Sharks. The way he split that defence, it was pretty poor tackling from Josh Dugan, and I think it was Townsend. But, you know, Nofo was really looking looking like he was going to keep averaging 100 points as hard as that is. He just keeps on attacking, getting his line breaks, getting his tackle breaks, and getting his offloads. If you started with him, shout out to Matty Person. You've done really well. Um, he was fantastic to start with. And it means that you've got an 85-point average at the moment from Nofo. 59 is the lowest score, 109 is the highest. And he's got 88 points on the weekend. He's now 650K. So for a centre wing, he's absolutely a no-no as far as trading in. But I tell you what, he could easily score 120 points against the Titans this week. If you own him, you'd be salivating. I'm going to say he's a pod captain. Um... And he would be because he is in pot ownership territory. But I tell you what, I I would hundred percent be going balls to the wall and captaining him. Even his lowest game is forty nine points, so I don't think that much of a flaw. And the upside of Nofo scoring this week a double and getting six tackle breaks, four offloads, and having that quintessential Nofo game is right up there. And you could end up with two hundred fifty point captaincy if you do that. So. I reckon that I'd be all over that if I owned him. Uh, I don't reckon that you can buy him, though, at that price. I just think it's too much for a a winger. But, geez, he's playing well. Aside from that on the Tiger side, someone who um, is in pod territory as well and he's someone who started being talked about again last week after getting a lot of traction in the preseason was Dewey. Now, Dewey was someone who... Looked like he was going to be a goal-kicking fullback in the preseason. Ended up not happening. Played center. Scored poorly. Um, no one even bothered to think about him again. And now he's gone back to fullback. And there's news now coming out that um, the Corey Thompson's possibly going to be released to the Gold Coast Titans because of um, not being able to get the fullback jersey back. So he's obviously going to stick to fullback. Um, I guess the couple of things about Dewey that make him interesting... He's a cut price center wing option at three hundred and forty k uh and he's got a break even of of twenty nine He's got forty eight points on the weekend, um but one of the things that I liked about his performance was that he was quite busy. he had a decent amount of runs um obviously being a fullback that's going to happen, but the tackle breaks is where it comes really really interesting um He's a guy that, from fullback, can rack up the tackle breaks and also the offloads. He has before when he's filled in at fullback, and I think that he's starting to look more and more comfortable. On the weekend, he had two offloads uh, and a few tackle breaks. Um, Well, more than a few. (laughs) Seven tackle breaks, I should say, um, along with his line break assist. So he is a guy that might just keep getting better and better, and you could quietly jump on this week, and no one's ever going to notice him get 75, 80 points which I think he can totally get. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes for a line break try, has another seven tackle breaks and another couple of offloads. Uh, He could totally have a great score this week. If you really needed to downgrade someone to make some, um, to free up some cash for some other trades, particularly if you had to get someone like Teddy or Turbo in and you couldn't find the money, um, you know, downgrading a center wing to uh, a Dewey, it, it does make some sense. It is a completely ballsy move though. Doesn't come without risk. Dewey could score poorly. He's got a yeah you know, a season average of thirty seven, but it's not particularly fair because he hasn't been able to play fullback. He scored forty eight fullback on the on the weekend. You know, I, I think that he could average sort of fifty five to sixty once he gets comfortable in that fullback spot. But when you're playing matchups this week versus the Titans, he could be a bit of a pod play, um, and you could make some quick money for a couple of weeks at least. Um, other than that, for the Tigers, the other guy that was very surprising on the weekend was Alex 12. And it's not because of his work rate, because we all expect it from him, but it was because named in Jersey 13, he ended up playing the full uh, 80 minutes, which was extremely surprising. Uh, But Billy mentioned that Madge actually had a a bit of a quote where he was saying that he wanted a guy out there for 80 minutes at 13 um, because he's a a tackle bot. He's not going to make mistakes on his tackles and he's fit. Uh, that looks like the twelves just become a, an amazing buy if he's going to keep playing eighty minutes in the middle at thirteen um, as a front row forward. That's a position that doesn't have a lot of options. Uh, he becomes a pretty good buy, and I guess it's going to become a little bit of a question on whether you go for a twelve or a clemmer. At the moment, clemmer's got the offload. Twelve's um, got the work rate. Uh, even though, yeah, you know, clemmer's got a good work rate too. He's going to cost you a hundred thousand more. So, fitly's Gold Coast game. If you were looking at a front rower, five hundred and thirty k. For twelve, and he's got a be of forty-two, so he's probably going to go up a little bit more. He's only in thirteen percent of teams, averaging seventy points as a front rower. Lowest score sixty-one, highest score seventy-eight, and Ford packs are scoring pretty well against the Titans at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he um, even checks a little bit of attack this week, even though it's not his go. So, yeah, if you started with twelve, you did you did really well. Um, It's worked out with his move to thirteen. As long as he stays at 13, 80 minutes, he's going to keep going with that. Um, on the Titan side of things, though, there is actually someone that has become very interesting as well on the um, on the front row forward front. So we'll talk about him now while we're going through our props for this game. Waker, um started on the weekend. Uh, he's, he came off the bench in round two, starting jersey on the weekend and actually got some minutes, which is really pleasing to see. For those minutes that he got... He ended up with 11 runs, two offloads, one line break, 43 tackles. And he had some good tackle breaks in there as well. Um, He's a guy that only needs the 56 minutes that he got. If he's starting and he's getting 56 minutes, that's going to be enough for him to be a potential gun. He's only a shade over 400k. um, So he ends up being quite a value buy if you're looking for someone in that front row forward spot that not a lot of people are going to get on, especially playing for a side like the Titans. Um, Yeah, a a lot of people are sort of going to be pretty down on on Fuerte Waker as an option or not even think about him or even know who he is. He's definitely an option. Um, He's a guy who could rise um, 87 points on the weekend, absolutely monstrous, 443k. So I guess he's a little bit more than a bit over 40k, but even still, uh, he's only 1% owned. So he's in ultimate pod territory. And those are the type of guys... That can really set you apart, um, especially if you have got Fotwaker as like a third front row forward, and you can get him in at four hundred forty three k. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really a really good value buy. Um, he's not he's going to go up after this after this week. He hasn't had a price rise yet, uh, and he's got a break even at twenty five. So he's going to cost you more towards five hundred potentially if he has another big game after this week. I expect he's going to play similar minutes, and I expect that he's going to get you sort of gun gun points of at least 60 plus. So, definite cut price forward option, uh, and there hasn't been too many options for the Titans, so that's good to see. But another option for the Titans that is starting to emerge yet again is one that we all know about, and that is Jai Arrow. Arrow ended up playing really good minutes on the weekend, and it actually got cut short because he got a HIA with six to go. So, he played um, 60 minutes. It would have actually been 66 minutes had he not gotten his HIA. That's really good minutes for Arrow. If he can keep that up, he'll be one of the premium secondary forwards. Uh, he had 47 tackles and offload, 10 runs, which was a bit low for him, but that's a little bit of an anomaly. A um, couple of tackle breaks. He ended up scoring. It was it came with a huge upgrade too. is about 30, 40 percent less than that on the initial scores, but that's. Another tangent. I'm not going to go down. A lot of scores were low on the weekend, um, but he he played, um, he played the quintessential Jai Arrow game. If he's going to keep doing that, you know, 66 minutes on his PPM and sort of what we know of Jai Arrow, he could very easily be looking at, um, you know, that 70 odd score average. He's that good. So big watch on him. Um, certainly, if you wanted to go early and you think that you're pretty stacked in your second row forward. You could jump on him. Obviously, the minutes caveat and also the injury caveat is going to be there. Um, I'd like to see a few more games. He's kind of in my plans for sort of four to six weeks' time. But he's only 14% of teams at the moment, so he can get the jump on a lot of people. Uh, he looks really good. Um, as far as this game goes, though, I, I fully... I fully expect that the the Tigers are going to do a number on the Titans. We just went on a tangent talking about Fords, and because of that, I forgot to mention my boy Luciano Leilua. Leilua only had 47 points on the weekend. I reckon he's going to score a try and line break this week. Um, So my big call is going to be that Luciano is going to go 75 points plus on this game. Um, Harry Grant is a must-have. I already spoke about him before, but if you wanted to get him in early, uh, certainly you're not going to get a better game than this to do it. Um, Harry Grant scored in the 80s on the weekend. He isn't base price, but he's 184K, so he's only 5 grand. He's only, what's 13 grand more, so he's going to be huge value. He's going to be a guy that gets to $400,000 very quickly. Looked very good. Um, still going to keep starting. He only played um, high 50s in his minutes. That might be the case going forward, but it's pr- pretty much all he needs because he's got such a great work rate and also attacking game. Reminds me a little bit of the combination of stats that Damien Cook gives you. So get him in for this game. If you've got to get one of the two cheapies in early at a best, and Grant, he's the one to get. Um, I'm going to go Tigers 42-12. to 12. I reckon the Tigers are going to put an absolute pumping on the Titans this week. Sorry, Titans fans. Can't see it happening any other way. Bulldogs-Dragons is the last game of the round. Two coaches completely under pressure. It's not really even about the plays in this one. It's definitely pay versus Mary McGregor. Whoever loses might be losing their job as well. Um, not many changes for the Dogs, aside from the big news that Kieran Foran is going to come back. So that is huge for them. Um, on the Dragon side, though, there's the changes across the broad. It's, it's a bit of an odd one because I think that a lot of Dragons fans that I know expected Mary McGregor to sort of wield the axe because he said beforehand, you know, if guys aren't performing, they're not going to play. Had a lot of guys not perform last weekend. It, cost, it should have cost a few of those guys some jerseys. Instead, it looks like he's just moved a lot of deck chairs around rather than actually throw them overboard. So we've got Corey Norman at full back getting moved from the halves. Adam Clune um, goes to half back and Ben Hunt moves to six. That's the big moves in the spine. Um, But out of that, Matt Matt Dufty's the guy that's been dropped. Uh, Josh Kerr gets to start at number eight. Other than that, the rest of the side is the same. Hasn't really changed a hell of a lot. Um, I've Probably on the Dragon side first, I've seen a few people talk about selling um, Zach Lomax, and I've been a little bit um, perplexed by that. Zach Lomax scored 47 points last week, and he did that in a side that scored zero points and he's a goal kicker. You know, he had good base. Um, he's going to keep going up in money. He's got a lot more money to make. and um, this is a game against the Bulldogs where he could very well cross the line. But if anything, you know, I, I expect him to get a couple of goals. Um, so you know, last week, if he scores, if he kicks three goals, he ends up at 60 points. You know, I, I'm really big on holding him. I think there's a lot of money to be made. And in fact, I'm going to play him this week. I reckon he's a decent play from those mid range guys. If you've got to play one of them. Um, there isn't really much else to talk about with the Dragons, unfortunately. Josh Kerr is probably the only guy um, that's worth mentioning because he has been someone that we've been waiting to come through uh, and he has been named a start. He's got a break-even on one and he's at 268k. Obviously, you know, he's going head-to-head with um, with someone like Tanul Brown who's got a better break-even around the same price. So, yeah, it's... It's just a shout-out for him. If he did start with Kerr, it is really good news, though. Uh, he, they might turn to him for some go-forward, and he could score well. He scored 50 points on the weekend. I could see that continuing, and he's going to make some decent coin. Obviously not a trade-in, though, and not a play either. Uh, on the bulldog side, um, equally as depressing. There's not a hell of a lot of guys to talk about here. Uh, in fact, from a Supercoach's perspective, i I just about say that there isn't any, um, It's it's a pretty sad state of affairs. It would be great if uh, Dean Pay started blooding some of these other guys. There was some talk that Tuamaga was going to get a starting jersey. Um, instead, of went to Dean Brid, who's over 400000 to buy. It's it's pretty disappointing as far as Supercoach goes. So it's a depressing game. We're going to have to end on a depressing note, guys. There is no captaincy options in that game. Aside from Lomax, there probably isn't even any play options in that game because hardly anyone else is owned um, as far as the result. I'm actually going to go with the Dragons' result here. I think the Dragons are going to win an ugly game 20-18. to 18. Uh, And, you know, I said on Twitter earlier, I'm purely going the Dragons as a coin flip because Mary McGregor just seems one of those guys that is completely destined not to lose his job at the Dragons. I could see McGregor there for another 10 years because he just keeps on keeping his job. He's got more than nine lives. Um, I reckon that the Dragons will win. It'll get him a stay of execution yet again for the fiftieth time, and the pressure will be heaped on Dean Pay. Not a great, not a great game for the round to finish on from a super coach perspective, or from a real life rugby league perspective. But rugby league is back, guys. I'm pumped. I had a great weekend. I hope everyone else did watching the footy. Life is so much better with football on the television. Hopefully, we'll get to go to the games in July. You can download or listen to the podcast on either iTunes or on SoundCloud. Do follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore Stars. Uh, hopefully everyone goes okay with the solo pods. We do them every now and then, just when I can't rotate the guests in um, at the right times. Like I said, next week we have Cowboy Andrew Scanlon on board. That should be a really interesting chat, especially when his Cowboys have been playing pretty well. But until then, good luck with your trades, guys. Make sure that you plan them. Plan your next few weeks at least so you know what you're doing and you don't get stuck. And good luck for the weekend. Captaincy choices with No Lolo. And we'll chat again to you next week.